Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And he drives that one right down the line. Headed toward the pole. And it's out of here. A bullet home run just inside the foul pole for Francisco Lindor. Number 24 on the year to get the bats on the board. Lindor, 11 straight games with a hit, this one with authority. Yeah, changeup turned over by Sandoval, and Lindor was all over it. How do you keep it fair? Just hit it so hard that it doesn't have a chance to go foul. All right, we're back. Final thoughts. Well, Francisco Lindor, you guys, if you don't know it, if you're new to the show, well, I'll give you a brief timeline because those that listen to me for years are probably tired of hearing of it. I had no problem with the Lindor trade. You know, I was not a Rosario fan. Uh, I liked Jimenez, but I thought he was a component player. I thought he was, you know, in a way, a poor man's Omar Vizquel. And, he, you know, he's had some good years in Cleveland. I don't know. I don't think he's having as quite a good year this year. Uh, I'll look that up. But I wasn't crying over giving up uh, – Jimenez and and Lindor uh, when when that trade was made and uh, when he came over my issue was the contract you know how can you give a guy that many thought what many Mets fans thought they were getting a top 10 player in baseball a 10-year deal for 350 million dollars who clearly was you know in some cases offensively not the player you thought. You know, it wasn't a guy that I thought would hit 30 home runs. He was a very good defensive player. You know, there was some talk about his inability to hit with runners in scoring position. And then, of course, you know, right before the season, Steve Cohen, new owner, wants to wash away the narrative that the Mets don't spend and they can't play in the deep end of the pool, rewards Lindor with his crazy contract. And then you know what happens. Awful, awful, awful. Majority of 2021, awful. Started to play better late in the year. I think had his coming out party, and I still will go by this, his coming out party with that three-home run game uh, against the Yankees on a Sunday night. That was in the 9-11 weekend. I think that was on 9-11. There was some emotion in that series, you know, though the Mets were falling out of it or had already fallen out of it. And, uh, you know, you had, you know, when Baez came that year, there was talk of Baez kind of helping Lindor helping him get comfortable. There was talk about signing Baez long-term. That is a fortuitous non-move because Baez has gone to Detroit and and not been the same player. And even last year where Lindor had a very good season and, uh, you know, finished in the top 10 in MVP and played well against the Padres in the postseason, there was still a lot of Mets fans that were like, eh, you know, he's not clutch and this and that. And I said... Quite honestly, I'm like, look, I don't have a problem with Lindor. He's a very good defensive shortstop. I thought he was a streaky hitter. Um, But, you know, if the Mets had just waited to the end of the season, they probably didn't have to sign him to a 10-year deal. They probably could have got him at a little bit less. It's only money, not my money. It's Cohen's money. But when money becomes a, a, a block to improving the roster at some point, 
you start to say, well, if Lindor wasn't making 35 a year, we could have used an extra $5 million to do X, Y, Z, whatever. But ever since, a, you know, a funny thing happened. Lindor had his second child in June. And since then, he's had an OPS over 1,200. He's played better than ever. He's having probably a better season than he had in uh, 2022. You know, about the same, but maybe a little bit better season. He's got an OPS over 800. He hasn't done that since 2019, since pre-pandemic, had an OPS over 800. Uh, he's stealing bases. He's probably going to be a 2020 guy at, at this current rate. He is actually a 2020 guy this year. I don't know if he'll be a 30-30 guy. He's outside shot at being 30-30, joining Hojo and Strawberry. He's got 23 stolen bases and 24 home runs. You know, I could see him another six home runs and another seven stolen bases. That'd be a nice achievement. He plays an outstanding shortstop. You've seen more of it now since the shift rules have been banned. And maybe he's not, you know, the rah-rah leader, you know, in-your-face, tough guy leader that maybe you guys like or want. But he's a guy that goes out there short of having a couple of freak injuries this year. I mean, he plays every day. He played 161 games last year. Play, you know, he had the oblique situation in 2021 that limited him to 125 games. Had a little bit of a, you know, he, and last year he played 161 games because and he broke, he fractured his finger in a stupid hotel door. That could have went down as a a very Metzian type of scenario. And he still played 161 games. Then this year, I don't even know what the injury was. Was it the side? Is oblique? I can't remember. He's missed a few games. You know, obviously the birth of his daughter and things like that. But you know, he's he's actually been really really good and then quietly I go to fan graphs and since 2021 when he was signed by the Mets he has the fifth highest wins above replacement according to fan graphs in baseball that's more on the offensive side than Otani um, that's more than Trey Turner Bryce Harper's not even on the first page it's more than Xander Bogarts, Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Jose Altuve, Austin Riley. The only players with better war in that span are Jose Ramirez, his former teammate in Cleveland, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and Aaron Judge. I mean, he's significantly better than guys like Ronald Acuna Jr., Rafael Devers, Carlos Correa, who the Mets nearly signed to a bigger contract. You know the only other man who shows up on the first page and not Pete Alonso, it's Brandon Nimmo at 29. A skush ahead of Fernando Tatis Jr. So you start to look at that. He's arguably been the best shortstop in the league over that time. He's one of the top 10 players in baseball over that time. You know, there's a lot of similarities, different position, but a premium position to... Carlos Beltran and how he signed and maybe was underappreciated. You know, Beltran was a guy in a smaller market, had a big postseason series with the Astros, played a premium position, had his ups and downs, trying to find his way into his prime. And finally, when he hit his stride before he got hurt with his knee, and his knee was a serious injury, you know, bone on bone, that was a microfracture surgery. The fact that he came back and was still a productive big leaguer, and, and we'll talk about that in the offseason, probably a Hall of Famer. You know, uh, that's pretty good company for Lindor. And I have to say, he's worth the contract. He's worth $35 million a year. You want to talk about what he's actually worth? They figure this stuff out on Fangraphs. They do that. So let's take a look. 
Is he underpaid? Is he overpaid? Let's see real quick. Where are the dollars conversion? I'll bring that up. Nothing ever comes up. You know what he's worth this year? 42 million bucks. Last year's worth 53 million bucks. In 2021, his quote-unquote down year, he was worth $33.6 million. About what he was making. You know? I was wrong. And maybe a lot of us were wrong. And right now, Lindor and Alonzo, if those guys hit, the Mets play well. If you remember, after the All-Star break, when the Mets made, before they started to slump in September, when they made that push and really, you know, the Braves were coming at them and, and the Braves just never stopped winning. And the Mets did in September. But the Mets played at a very high level post-All-Star break last year, and it was because Lindor and Pete were hitting a ton. They were hitting the tar out of the baseball. When those two guys are right and hitting together, the Mets play very well offensively. Even last year when they had some soft spots in lineup with the catching situation, before they brought in the, the Vogelback as the DH, they couldn't get anything out of the DH spot. You know, Escobar had his issues until September. But that was all washed away by Lindor and Pete. Pete with his home runs, Lindor with his, honestly, his overall good play. I mean, unlike Alonzo, who I could peck away at his season. I mean, what has he got, 14, 15 doubles? It's really been home run or nothing with Alonzo in a lot of ways. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Home run walking. I mean, he's been a, more of a three-true-outcome guy. Solid defensively. Okay defensively. But not Lindor's class versus his position. And, you know, to me, that's that's something that's not talked about. Lindor is a top 10 player in baseball since he came to the Mets. Very underappreciated, very undervalued, treated similarly like Carlos Beltran. Biggest difference is year three, Beltran, well, year two, Beltran struck out in a big spot. Lindor's team didn't do what everybody thought. He got, he played poorly early on. And look, we don't know. I mean, maybe the stress of his daughter being born, you know, you don't know the the background behind the, the pregnancy. There could have been a lot of things going on. These guys are human beings. Now, it is their responsibility with the money they're getting paid to compartmentalize and go out there and compete and perform at a high level. I'm not making excuses. But the reality is, sometimes that doesn't happen. Now, is it a total coincidence that his OPS is over, well over 1,000 since the kid's born? Maybe. But I don't think so. I think maybe there was some stuff going on. You know, he's at the World Baseball Classic. He's away from his family. His wife is seven, eight, nine months pregnant. You know, you guys have had children. I haven't, but you guys have children. I've spoken to close friends who had. It's a stressful thing. Imagine if you were in, you know, the last 90 days of your wife's pregnancy, you were never around and traveling. You're making big money, and that, that band-aids some things, but a human being is a human being. You know, and I think last year his season was underrated, and he's been pretty darn good after the initial New York baptism by fire when he played awfully his first three months in 2020, 2021. The guy's been pretty good. He's been elite. And I'll tell you, from my perspective, 
watching him play defense this year, and he doesn't have a great arm, but he really, similar to Derek Jeter, he knows how to use what limitations he has with his arm to get the ball over there in a timely fashion. He's got a lot of that component with the little bounce throw. I mean, his range is way better than Derek Jeter. I mean, night and day. Jeter was an overrated, in my opinion, defensive player. What, what Jeter did do well is he was fundamentally made the plays he was supposed to make, and then when he made tough plays, he stayed with it himself and his skill set to execute them. And that's what I would say with Lindor with his arm. So that's where I would give Jeter some credit. So I think we would round out this show. I'd be remiss. Now watch, I do this. The guy goes into a six-week slump. His season ends like in the, you know, the blanker. And then we'll be talking about this all over again come October. But you know what? There's a lot of issues with the Mets right now, especially on the pitching front. The pitching's been awful outside of Senga and maybe a little bit of Quintana since he came back. The pitching's been awful and disappointing. But it hasn't been because of Lindor. And, and really, on the offensive side, that's the only player that I could say this year has performed as you would expect. I wouldn't put Alonzo in that category. I certainly put McNeil in that category. To a certain degree, I think Nimmo's been a tick down this year since he got the contract. So those core veteran players, only Lindor has lived up to his end of the bargain. And then some. And so the Mets do have a top. 10 player on their roster. It doesn't have to be Otani. Otani would make it two. It's not Pete Alonso. It's not Brandon Nimmo. It's not Jeff McNeil. It's Francisco Lindor. So, interesting stuff. All right, that's all I have for you here on this Sunday, the last show for the Dog Days of August. I know what you may be asking. What about the ceremony, the retirements of Doc and Daryl? Uh, I'm going to hold that off to next week. I have some thoughts. I'm going to try to see what kind of uh, segment I could put together. Love to talk more about Doc and Daryl. We'll certainly talk about it more uh, when it happens next year. But, um, you know, usually the Mets give us this kind of content in January to get us through the malaise, the post-New Year's, that, that frozen tundra of January when it's cold and baseball seems so far away and the hot stove is cooled down a little bit because the winter meetings is over and New Year is over and you're still 30 days away from uh, pitchers and catchers. And then they announced who's going to be, you know, their numbers being retired. I think they wanted to jazz the fans up a little bit. I think there was a marketing business purpose to that. Doesn't matter. Well-deserved Doc and Daryl. I had heard rumors it was coming. I'll give you my reaction to that. Ironically, Daryl was part of one of the initial guests the first month on my 1240 AM WGBB show back in 2007. Daryl came on that program. And I had Doc on during the pandemic which some of you may have heard. So we may bring that one back, the doc interview um, on the pandemic and stuff like that. So anyway, um, that's it. That's all I have for you. You can check me out, of course, all the time at the TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you can show up on podcast, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G. Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. You can get me on Instagram, Talking Mets, No G. And of course, I want to thank the good folks from the Fan Sided Podcast. I am your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. We'll be back with another Talking Mets podcast next week. Till then, take care, everybody.
Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.